It's so important to have this communication about it because unfortunately money is one of the top topics that people disagree about leading eventually to divorce. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Marriage and money aren't typically something that people are excited or love to talk about. But if you want to have a strong relationship, you have to find a way to communicate with each other that's transparent, productive, and respectful. You know, I looked through surveys and different reports, and I saw that one recorded, get this, 39% of adults just avoid even talking about the numbers. Think about that for a moment. We're not even discussing hiding anything. We may think we're avoiding a fight by brushing off or keeping chats about money superficial, but that's usually not how it works. Getting on the same page and staying on that same page. And I know that that it's a phrase that we hear a lot and people might be tired of hearing it, but the more you can have those regular check-ins, those short check-ins to make sure you're on the same page, bring up one small topic at a time, it's going to make it a whole lot easier. That's Tracy Conan, who you also heard at the top of the episode. She's on the show today because she's quite familiar with how things can unravel when those financial issues snowball into something much bigger. She's a forensic accountant and fraud investigator with Sequence Incorporated, where she investigates embezzlement, securities fraud, divorce, white-collar criminal defense, insurance fraud, and civil litigation matters. So she's pretty much seen it all. But let's talk about that for a minute. We're discussing financial infidelity. First of all, how would you define it? I found this quote from University of Minnesota law professor Jill Hasday, which I think captures what it is. She says financial infidelity is hiding financial information from your partner in a situation where you have a reasonable grasp of knowing what they want to know. And you're keeping that information and it's harming them. A study from the journal Financial Therapy found that 76% of married couples that had to deal with financial infidelity reported that that experience negatively impacted their relationship. And 10% got a divorce over that. One reason why financial infidelity can cause such damage to your marriage is that it breaks the trust, which is a crucial piece of your relationship. And it's so hard to rebuild it. It takes time. I hope you never have to deal with financial infidelity, but what if it happens? How would you know? In this episode, we'll discuss some causes and underlining issues behind why people commit financial infidelity and red flags to look out for. We'll also go over some ways to work as a team, either to prevent financial infidelity from coming up in your relationship or to begin to repair that damage. And then finally, You know, depending on the situation and what this uncovers, how to financially protect yourself if you're going through a divorce. We have a lot to cover, 
So let's get started. We should address that there are a lot of reasons why people commit financial infidelity. Definitely there are bad characters out there, but then there's also shame. There's a lot of fear. I was looking back at the archives and some of the stories we've had with financial infidelity. Yes, there were cases where there was definitely an intent to sabotage the relationship and finances, but we had one where they were getting married and one couple, she was a financial educator and a professional and he felt ashamed. So he was a military veteran, he was working, and so he lied about the status of his finances before they got married. Being a financial educator, she saw certain signs, and that led to a confrontation, and then he admitted, basically, you were so much more ahead of me, I felt inadequate, in a sense. But they were able to work it out. Then I had a case where there was a couple, and this happens in a lot of families, there's a go-to person with finances, and it either could be based on like the income they make, it could be a cultural thing, um, where one person does it, but it gets to the point where the other one doesn't even check in. And so there was this imbalance here. And in that case, he actually was saying yes to his family. He wanted to, you know, provide for them. He had a good job. So he thought, well, that's what I do. But long story short, it was $109,000 of credit card debt. And he had to talk to his wife. He's like, this is all going to come crashing down in two weeks. Yeah. So financial infidelity, right, doesn't have to be the big stuff. I mean, when people think of financial infidelity, they think about what I like to call sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Affairs, (laughs) gambling, addictions, Mm -hmm. those are all expensive things. And those are hidden for a reason, right? Um, But it doesn't have to be that. It can be the just hidden everyday spending. It yeah. can be that balance on that credit card that's creeping up little by little by little. Maybe you always had an agreement that our credit cards will use them, but they're going to be paid off every month. We're never going to carry yeah. a balance unless there's an emergency, right? But then that balance starts to creep up little by little. And before you know it, you've got a $10,000 credit card balance that one person didn't know about. And so there is a continuum of financial infidelity. So I don't yeah. like people to just think, well, oh, it's the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that's not us. So we're okay. Absolutely. And I think you also bring up a good point. And I do want to dig into this, which is this pandemic did a number on us mentally, emotionally, and for a lot of families financially. Maybe we feel hopefully that things are turning around. We're getting better. We're thinking we need to pay attention to our finances more. We need to be on the same page. So you mentioned looking at purchases and and credit cards in particular. Could we dig into what to look out for? Say you want to get more engaged with the finances again. Maybe you are suspecting something, but maybe you're saying we're not as far along as I thought we would be. What are some things to look out for or to check up with finances? Well, I think the first step that's important for many, many people is just getting bank statements and credit Mm -hmm. card statements and investment account statements and looking at them at all. Even if you're not looking for anything specific, just having them and looking at them is a great first step because so many people don't even look at them, right? You trust your spouse, you have a division of duties in the family, and that's perfectly normal. Most families do that where one spouse is primarily responsible for the money because it makes sense, division of duties. But if you're not in that position, I always say every month, I want you to log in online or Mm -hmm. ask your spouse for that bank statement and look at it. Just look it over and see, because- you are going to know your family and you're going to scan down that list of spending and you're going to say, wait a second, what's that for? 
And you're going to start asking some questions naturally. Okay. So first step is getting some statements. And then second step, if you're ready to kind of dig into them a little bit and Mm -hmm. look for, I say, look for unusual things. So look at how often someone's going to the ATM, look for changes in patterns. We never went to the ATM before, but now I see my spouse going to the ATM twice a week, every week and taking Mm -hmm. out $500 each time. And I can't fathom what he would be spending that on. Yeah. Or certain restaurants or retailers that are frequented that you didn't know about. I give an example of you have a spouse who was never into electronics before. And now you see that they're having purchases at the Apple store or Best Buy. That's unusual. So look for unusual things. I think that is fascinating because it does bring out the importance, even if you're not the go-to person. It's always good to have a second pair of eyes to double check everything. Like you said, it could be malicious or it could be something that I've noticed is a spending addiction or a spending problem. It's so much better to nip it in the bud because your finances are commingling, the accounts are being shared. It's it's a protection. Even if relationship-wise, you guys are okay, financially, something's going on that could down the line tear your marriage up because you're ruining the finances, intentional or not. So I think that's a great idea to have regular check-ins. We're a fan of money dates where if you want to go out, have a night in, but you just relax and review the numbers together just to get a sense of like, how are we doing and what's going on? Are there things we need to work on or upcoming expenses, making it normal to talk about finances What if you didn't know your spouse was going to Starbucks every day and spending $8 every day at Starbucks, right? I mean, that adds up Mm -hmm. and that might be something important that you could see in the statements that you guys could just address. Maybe the answer is, hey, like that's my vice. That like really gets me going in the morning. It makes me super happy. Okay, well, that puts a little bit of a strain on our budget. Is there something else we could cut so you could continue to do that and have your daily happiness, right? Those are easier discussions to have on the front end before you're in financial trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Maybe you get an idea for an anniversary gift. Okay. uh, Apparently they love cappuccinos. I need to start saving up now for that. But I think that's part of the problem is we see there's a lot of feelings of judgment and value with money. And I don't know any couple that prioritizes exactly the same things. I know for me, books and travel. If you look at my spending, those are the things I love to spend money on. My husband's more the tech guy. So I think also having those conversations like this is important to me and this is why it's important to me. That way it's easier to fit it in. But I know it's not always that easy. Maybe you're, you're uncovering bad financial behavior, either like we mentioned, compulsive spending uh, they don't want to go to counseling for that. They don't want to see a, a therapist for that. Uh, or it could be something that down the line may lead to divorce. Are there things someone can do to protect their finances, maybe while they sort this out or even during the process of divorce? You know, I always say that you should have your own reserve of money that you can Mm -hmm. always fall back on. If you think that divorce is on the horizon, it becomes especially important that you have some money of your own that's set aside in case your spouse cuts you off something of the sort. I mean, those are not the fun, happy things to talk about, but that's super important. So having your own money, but also having your own credit 
And so making sure that you have a credit card in your name that your spouse's name is not on. So your spouse can't cancel the card, can't change the credit limit, can't take your name off of it. And I know some of this sounds like cloak and dagger, not fun to talk about, but super important when we get to the point of divorce, people do sabotage one another. And so those kinds of things are super important to set yourself up in case you think that there may be a divorce coming. Yeah. And I definitely would recommend if you feel you're at this point where you have to protect yourself, that's a sign that maybe also you need to get some counseling, whether that's couples counseling or even for yourself, because this is Mm -hmm. a very, it's an emotional time. You want to go in there clear headed. You want to have a plan and you want to make sure, especially if you have kids, that they're protected while things get sorted out, that they don't suffer, whether that's in a financial sense or emotionally and take care of that. I know we just scratched the surface, Tracy. How can people reach out to you if they want to learn more? I recently released the Divorce Money Guide at divorcemoneyguide.com. It's my way of trying to make forensic accounting more accessible to average people. Forensic accountants are expensive. And if you're getting divorced, that process is already really expensive. And there are so many people out there who were needing help understanding their numbers, potentially looking for whether money was missing. And so the Divorce Money Guide is an online handbook to help them with that process for a fraction of the cost of what it would cost them to have a forensic accountant on their side. I think we should just wrap this up. Whether things are going well or not, you can't avoid finances in your marriage, in your relationship. You really need to have these conversations. And like Tracy said, don't make it like, the money talk. That's probably the worst way to go. Make it part of your routine, your schedule, whether that's weekly, monthly, however you do it, but something that's consistent and something that makes money less of a burden or a worry and more just a tool to accomplish whatever goals you have together. If you're like us, you probably have quite a number of accounts between the two of you, including your old 401ks. It can be difficult to stay on top of everything especially when your old employer switches providers, which is what happened with my husband. Here's where our sponsor Capitalize can help. Capitalize helps you find and roll over an old 401k into an IRA of your choice for free. They handle the entire process. And yes, that includes calling your old employer or the 401k provider on your behalf. If you're ready to make managing your old 401ks much easier, find out more at simplifyandenjoy.com slash capitalize. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways from preparing this episode. The first is money fights and disagreements are usually more than just the numbers. If you've read my book, Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money, then you're probably familiar with me saying that when we're having money fights, that's usually a symptom of a much bigger issue going on. That's because our finances are really a reflection of what we value and what we prioritize. When we see the budget being broken, many times it's because we're not prioritizing the same things, we're not coming up with a plan together, and we're not giving each other the space to spend some of them on things that we personally enjoy. And so it's a lot to juggle and balance. And sometimes we don't acknowledge that. So if you're disagreeing about finances and money fights keep coming up, taking a step back and recognizing what are we really upset about? What is the issue that's causing us the most stress? 
that could give you a little better clarity and help you change your uh, perspective or angle with how you approach it. The second takeaway is keep the money conversation short but frequent. The reason why that's important is that you want to take out the intimidation and the overwhelm from having the money talk. Money is not the goal. It's simply a tool to hopefully help you as a family create a life that you love to do things that you enjoy. And of course, take care of the necessities. And so it should be a regular or consistent part of your routine. Maybe every paycheck, just go over, okay, what are we going to be taking care of this time? Do we have any upcoming trips or are we saving towards a goal? How are we doing that? I like to call the money dates where you're having fun and you're in a low key environment talking about your finances. This could help prevent things from snowballing because you have two pairs of eyes looking at the finances. Finally, consider getting a third party perspective. It could be the two of you going to someone who's mature that you both mutually respect and discussing that. Maybe someone in your congregation, or it could be a certified financial planner who can help you navigate and talk about finances in a neutral way who's more objective. And then more recently, I've noticed financial therapy becoming something more common and more available. These are people with expertise, both with the numbers, but then also helping families work together on defining their priorities and their values. There are a lot of fantastic resources out there that you should explore and see if that's going to help you work as a team, get on the same page, not just with your finances, but with your other goals. If you want to learn more about working together as a family towards those goals, don't forget to join our VIP list. We have incredible tips, extras, bonuses, all in there. You can go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. We'd love for you to be a part of the community. Special thanks to Tracy for being a part of this episode. If you want to grab our guide, please visit divorcemoneyguide.com. As always, I'll include links to the resources we've mentioned today, plus share more tools that can make managing and talking about your money much easier in the show notes at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, are you planning any big purchases soon? If you are, you might be wondering, when's the best time to get a deal on it? So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme song was by Staircases, additional music by various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much, not just for listening to the show, but for all your support. Please keep sending in those questions, stories, and ideas you have. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.